A long time ago, in a galaxy that we're actually a part of, Timothy Zahn was tasked with creating the Star Wars Expanded Universe. Now, this wasn't what it was called in the beginning, but that's what it wound up becoming. He was writing the first Star Wars novel outside of the original trilogy. That in itself is a statement you could argue over. There were other Star Wars novels, but the key difference is they were all tied in with the original trilogy. Novelizations of the movies or tie-ins to fill in the plot holes discussed by fans, backstories of new characters, etc. All those releases came within a few months of the movie's appearances in theaters. This was new. Timothy Zahn crafted what many Star Wars fans still consider to be the greatest trilogy in the history of the franchise, the Thrawn Trilogy. It was a series of three novels, hence Trilogy. The Heir to the Empire, Dark Force Rising, and The Last Command. When it debuted in May of 1991, it shot to the top of the New York Times bestseller list. Not the sci-fi list. The overall listing for fiction. All fiction. It was impressive, and after its success, a windfall of other Star Wars novels followed. Stories about the oft-mentioned Old Republic, the rise of the Empire, Rogue Squadron, Bounty Hunter Tales. There were hundreds of books, but all of them owe a nod to Timothy Zahn, who I will argue is second only to George Lucas in his contribution to everyone's favorite galaxy far, far away. This is Issue Zero, a show about the power of fandom and pop culture. I am your host, Fred Kennedy, and today, once again, we'll be joined by my contemptible harpy of a producer, Dila Velasquez, who, despite my impassioned pleas, has never read any of the original Thrawn books. I even bought them for her. Even though my recommendation of Clone Wars changed her entire perception of Star Wars in general and introduced her to her favorite character, Ahsoka Tano, my recommendation is still not good enough to get her to give a hoot and read a book. So that's why today I will read her the first chapter. And coincidentally, I will also be reading it to you. Welcome to the program, Dila. Hi, Fred. Hi. How are you? Hi. I'm good. I I mean, I I have the book here. So you could read along. This is like in grade four when we'd all sit at the reading carpet and we'd sit around and follow along while Madame Spougie read the book to us, right? I mean, I was not in your class. I don't know who Madame Spougie is. Well, she was. She wore. A, I remember in, on the first day of grade four, she wore a leather dress. It was leather, and it was like a mustard yellow. Sounds very fashionable and ahead of her time. Well, this was the eighties. That was a wild time for cocaine and fashion. Now, uh, I'm going to read you the first chapter of this book, which I know you're not looking forward to. But I just want you to know that if there's any point where you need to speak up and voice your questions and concerns and criticisms, feel free. Also, to add a certain panache of atmosphere, uh, the very tall Rob Johnson, our producer, will be adding very accurate Star Wars sound effects like this and this and also this. They sound like they're taken directly from the movie, don't they? They really add something to this. I want some Star Wars atmospherics, Rob. Give me... Okay. Star Wars atmosphere. Perfect. This now feels like we are on a Star Destroyer. Do you feel it, Dila? 
Uh, I really do. You really, I can feel it in your voice. It's immersive. It's a real immersive experience. This is like 4D is what it is in stereo. So, um, (laughs) I'm just going to get right into it. I will probably make mistakes, all right? Sounds great. Star Wars, Heir to the Empire by Timothy Zahn from Del Rey and Lucasfilm and Disney. Voila. Is that good? Legally, am I covered? I mean, I think, yeah, sure. Was that the, is there a a, a scroll? Was that your scroll? No, yes, that was my scroll. That was me scrolling. Captain Pellion? A voice called down the portside crew pit through the hum of background conversation. Message from the sentry line. The scout ships have just come out of light speed. Pellion, leaning over the shoulder of the man of the Chimera's bridge engineering monitor, ignored the shout. Trace this line for me, he ordered, tapping a light pen at the schematic on the display. The engineer threw a question... What? They had pens? It's a light- You've never seen pens in Star Wars. No, you haven't, but you saw an electric typewriter in the holiday special. And secondly, this is a light pen. It's like a stylus. This was this was 1991 before stylus has even existed. I mean, this is like a sentence into the book. We're never going to get through this chapter. Sorry, okay. I'll go on. Listen, stylus, light pen, all right? I heard him, Pellion said. You have an order, Lieutenant. Yes, sir, the other said carefully and keyed the trace. Captain Pellion! The voice repeated, closer this time. Keeping his eyes on the engineering display, Pellion waited until he could hear the sound of the approaching footsteps. Then, with all the regal weight of that fifty years and the Imperial fleet gave to him, he straightened up and turned. The young duty officer's brisk walk faltered, came to an abrupt halt. Uh, sir, he looked into Pellion's eyes and his voice faded away. Pellion let the silence hang there for a handful of... Heartbeats, long enough for those nearest to notice. This is not a cattle market in Shaum High, Lieutenant Teschel, he said, keeping his voice calm but icy cold. This is the bridge of an Imperial Star Destroyer. Routine information is not, repeat, not simply shouted in the general direction of its intended recipient. Is that clear? Teschel swallowed. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Pellion held his eyes for a few seconds longer, then lowered his head in a slight nod. Now report. Yes, sir. Shell swallowed again. Mm -hmm. We've just received word from our sentry ship, sir. The scouts have returned from their scan raid on Orobasa... Obra... Obras... Obra... Obra Sakai? Obra Sakai. Obra Sakai system. Very good, Pellion nodded. Did they have any trouble? Only a little, sir. The natives apparently took exception to them pulling a dump of their central library system. The wing commander said there was some attempt at pursuit, but that they lost them. I hope so, Pellion said grimly. Obrasakai, got it right that time, held a strategic position in the Borderlands region, and intelligence reports indicated that the New Republic was making a strong bid for its membership and support. They'd had armed emissary ships there at the... Oh, sorry. If they'd only had armed emissary ships there at the time of the raid... We'll know soon enough. We'll, well, shoot. (laughs) Here's the thing. Already, I don't know why it is happening. Okay, listen. (laughs) Okay, it's it's very simple. So, 
There is just a lot of exposition this is, for a, like a page into a into a chapter. They're giving you background data and tension, and, and yes, it's not like it's a page <sighs> and a half into the first chapter. This is a yeah. trilogy of novels. Okay. I know, and already, like, I'm in the middle of a story that's already been like three Th- pages. You're long. you're dropped right into the action. Yeah, sure. Okay, keep going. That was my tea. Sorry, I gotta I gotta lubricate the vocal cords. Mm. You got some honey on that? Absolutely, I do. Mackenzie brand raw honey. It's the only honey I trust. <clears throat> I hope so, Pelion said grimly. Obersakai held a strategic position in the Borderlands region, and intelligence reports indicated the New Republic was making a strong bid for its membership and support. If they'd had armed emissary ships there at the time of the raid, well, he'd know soon enough. Have the wing commander report to the bridge ready room with his report as soon as they've landed, he told Tichelle. What are you doing? Please, focus. Were you turning a page? Yes, I just rustled a page where literally you read the same chapter twice. No, that was three sentences. Okay, keep going. Okay, yeah. And have the sentry line go to yellow alert. Dismissed. Yes, sir. Spinning around with a reasonably good imitation of proper military form, the lieutenant headed back towards the communications console. The young lieutenant which was Pelion thought with a trace of old bitterness, was probably where the problem lay. In the old days, at the height of the Empire's power, it would have been inconceivable for a man as young as Dechelle to serve as a bridge officer aboard a starship like the Chimera. Now, he looked down at the equally young man at the engineering monitor. Now, in contrast, the Chimera had virtually no one aboard except young men and women. Slowly, Pelion let his eyes sweep across the bridge, feeling the echoes of old anger and hatred twist through his stomach. There had been many commanders in the fleet he knew who had seen the Emperor's original Death Star as a blatant attempt to bring the Empire's vast military power more tightly under his direct control, just as he'd done with the Empire's political power. The fact that he'd ignored the battle station's proven vulnerability and gone ahead with a second Death Star had merely reinforced that suspicion. There would have been few in the fleet's upper echelons who would have genuinely mourned its loss if it hadn't in its death throes taken the super star destroyer executor with it even after five years pelion couldn't help but wince at the memory of that image the executor out of control colliding with the unfinished death star and then disintegrating completely in the battle station's massive explosion the loss of the ship itself had been bad enough but the fact that it was the executor had made it far worse that particular super star destroyer had been darth vader's personal ship and despite the dark lord's legendary and often lethal capriciousness serving aboard it had long been perceived as a quick way to promotion which meant that when the executor died so also did a disproportionate fraction of the best young and mid-level officers and crew members. The fleet had never recovered from that fiasco. With the executor's leadership gone, the battle had quickly turned into a confused rout, with several other Star Destroyers being lost before the order to withdraw had finally been given. Pelion himself, taking command of the Chimera's former captain was killed. When the former captain was killed. Yep. Had done... had done what he could to hold things together. But despite his best efforts, they never regained the initiative against the rebels. Instead, they had been steadily pushed back until here they were. That's amazing. How can you not like that? 
I mean, that last part I cared about. The yeah. whole first, like the details of how the young officer that's, turned. No. Who cares? That's, that's important. And it's important. Here's why it's important. And I say this because I've been doing lots of reading on military history recently. Mid-level officers and non-commissioned officers, like senior NCOs and junior officers, are important because they manage little compartments of the ship. And if that chain of command breaks down and nobody knows what to do, the fleet is lost. And that's the point that he's making because this is five years after Endor, right? This is just five years after. And they're still trying to rebuild with all those quality officers in leadership positions. And they're just not there anymore. And that's what makes this important. Fair. I mean, they could have just said that in the first page as opposed to all the pen shenanigans and whatever middle of the action with weird exposition. Yeah, but that's all I'm saying. Listen, the weird exposition is going to make sense in a second. All right. Have a sip of tea and I keep did. going. Because right now, I still feel the same way I did well, I'm about before to, he started reading, I, which was like, oof. Also, do I need to care about who the Chimera is and the Rebels? Like, is this the thing that's going to come Well, the Chimera is TV the ship. Show? Well, the, the ship, the Chimera, is actually in Rebels, by the way. The TV okay. series Rebels. That's, that's Thrawn's personal Star Destroyer. Okay, back into it. It's so good. Here in what had once been the backwater of the Empire, with barely a quarter of its former systems still under nominal Imperial control. Here, aboard a Star Destroyer, manned almost entirely by painstakingly trained but badly inexperienced young people, many of them conscripted by their homeworlds by threat of force or under force. Here, under the command of possibly the greatest military mind the Empire had ever seen, Pelion smiled. A tight, wolfish smile as he again looked around his bridge. No, the end of the Empire was not yet, as the arrogantly self-proclaimed New Republic would soon discover. He glanced at his watch. 2.15. Grand Admiral Thrawn would be meditating in his command room now, and if Imperial procedure frowned on shouting across the bridge, it frowned even harder on interrupting a Grand Admiral's meditation via intercom. One spoke to him in person, or one did not speak to him at all. Continue tracing those lines, Pelion ordered. The engineering lieutenant as he headed back to the door. I'll be back shortly. The Grand Admiral's new command room was two levels below the bridge, in a space that had once housed the former commander's luxury entertainment suite. When Pelion had found Thrawn, or rather, when the Grand Admiral had found him, one of his first acts had been to take over the suite and convert it into what was essentially a secondary bridge. A secondary bridge, meditation room, and perhaps more. It was is no- it a crafting room? You like, know, what else is it? Listen, this... <laughs> This is this is intense emotion. We're about to delve into the psychological nature that makes Thrawn such a great villain. Okay, really? Because right now he's just like meditating. You haven't even <laughs> exactly. That's what you—a meditative general who's always a few steps ahead. It's brilliant. All right, all right. Him in his crafting room. I wonder if he's bedazzling oh, something. Maybe he's. Yeah. Well, you'll see pretty soon. All right. Um. It he was better no, come out in a good I, outfit. I was about... He does, as if you'll keep listening. Okay. It was no secret aboard the Chimera that since the recent refitting had been completed, the Grand Admiral had been spending a great deal of his time here. What was a secret was what exactly he did during those long hours. Stepping to the door, Pelion straightened his tunic and braced himself. Perhaps he was about to find out. Captain Pelion to see the Grand Admiral Thrawn, he announced. I have information... 
The door slid open before he'd finished speaking. Mentally preparing himself, Pallion stepped into the dimly lit entry room. He glanced around, saw nothing of interest, and started for the door to the main chamber, five paces ahead. A touch of air on the back of his neck was his only warning. Captain Pellion, a deep, gravelly, cat-like voice mewed into his ear. Pellion! <laughs> Sorry. This is... Uh, this is emotional. Pellion jumped and spun around, cursing both himself and the short, wiry creature standing less than half a meter away. Blast it, Rook, he snared. What do you think you're doing? For a moment longer, Rook just looked up at him, and Pellion felt a drop of sweat trickle down his back. With his large, dark eyes, protruding jaw, and glistening needle teeth, Rook was even more of a nightmare in the dimness than he was in normal lighting, especially to somebody like Pellion, who knew what Thrawn used Rook and his fellow Nogri for. I'm doing my job, Rook said at last. He stretched his thin arm almost casually out towards the inner door, and Pellion caught just a glimpse of the slender assassin's knife before it vanished somehow into the Nogri's sleeve. His hand closed, then opened again, steel wire muscles moving visibly beneath his dark gray skin. You may enter. Thank okay. you. What? Stop. What? What? what am I looking at? What okay. is this? Who is what creature Nogri. is this? Okay, this is what's great about this, is the Nogri were introduced in this novel, and they've got a very fascinating history that is directly tied to Darth Vader. But, but I can't who see. are the Nogri? They and are in, why are they are like, they honestly? Are, you will learn all this in the book. You're like. But the whole, but, but I'm already, like, they've introduced it. I don't know who they are. And to me, right now, they just look like, you know, in um, <laughs> what we do in the shadows, when uh, Jermaine's character turns himself into, like, like a cat <laughs> with a human face. That's I, all I'm picturing. I see them as like reptilian. They're like reptilian. They're sort of like transdotions, to be honest. That's the way I always pictured them. And then when you see Rook as a character in Rebels, very different than the way he so, is. Okay. okay. So he comes. So this guy's in Rebels. All yes. Right. Rook all right. is all right. in. I'll be quiet. And I will say that Rook has an absolutely fantastic character arc. Like, he's. Trust me, he's one of those characters that you you hate but you love. Fantastic, because the history of the Nogri is also really cool and how they tie in with the Empire. But all the see when I read this and I heard about it, I didn't go meh. I went, I want to know more. Give me more, you know. So we'll get. Yeah, I mean, that's that's different. I'm a, like I told you, I prefer movies and TV for sci-fi as opposed to this. Well, so here we are. If you listen back, you'll be like, this is better. Because with all the atmospherics we got going here. Pew, pew. You know? All right. Yeah. Anyways, so. Thank you, Pelion growled, straightening his tunic once again. He turned back to the door. It opened at his approach, and he stepped through into a softly lit art museum. He stopped short, just inside the room, and looked around in astonishment. The walls and domed ceiling were covered in flat paintings and planics. A few of them vaguely human-looking, but most of them distinctly alien in origin. Various sculptures were scattered around, some freestanding, others on pedestals. In the center of the room, there was a double circle of repeater displays. The outer ring, slightly higher than the inner ring. Both sets of displays, at least from what little Pellion could see, also seemed to be devoted to pictures of artwork. And in the center of the double circle, seated in a duplicate of the Admiral's chair on the bridge, was Grand Admiral Thrawn. Bah, 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 bah! Such a badass. So great. He sat motionless, 
his shimmery blue-black hair glinting in the dim light, his pale blue skin looking cool and subdued and very alien on his otherwise human frame. His eyes were nearly closed as he leaned back against the headrest, only a glint of glow showing between the lids. Pelion licked his lips, suddenly unsure of the wisdom having invaded Thrawn's sanctum like this. If the Grand Admiral decided to be annoyed... Come in, Captain... Thrawn said. Isn't he like a vampire? He's like, he's like, like a, like Dracula, you know? That's how I always, like, gentil and cool and calculated and suave, you know? Are you getting that vibe? He loves art. So great. How can you not like it? I mean, uh, yeah. All right. Okay. Well, you you don't sound convinced, but I will convince you by the end of this chapter. (laughs) Come in, Captain, Thrawn said, his quiet, modulated voice cutting through Pelion's thoughts. Eyes still closed to slits, he waved a hand in a small and precisely measured motion. What do you think? It's very interesting, sir, was all Pelion could come up with as he walked over to the outer display circle. All holographic, of course, Thrawn said, and Pelion thought he could hear a note of regret in the other's voice. The sculptures and flats both. Some of them are lost. Many others are on planets now, occupied by the Rebellion. Yes, sir, Pelion nodded. I thought you'd want to know, Admiral, that the scouts have returned from the Obersakai system. The wing commander will be ready for his debriefing in a few minutes. Thrawn nodded. Were they able to tap into the central library system? They got at least a partial dump, Pelion told him. I don't know yet were they able to complete it. Apparently there was some attempt at pursuit. The wing commander thinks he lost him, though. For a moment, Thrawn was silent. No he said. No, I don't believe he has, particularly not if the pursuers were from the rebellion. Taking a deep breath, he straightened in his chair, and for the first time since Pelion had entered, opened his glowing red eyes. Pelion returned the other's gaze without flinching, feeling a small flicker of pride at the achievement. Many of the Emperor's top commanders and courtiers had never learned to feel comfortable with those eyes, or with Thrawn himself for that matter, which was probably why the Grand Admiral had spent so much of his career working out in the Unknown Regions, working to bring those still barbaric sections of the galaxy under Imperial control. His brilliant successes had won him the title of Warlord and the right to wear the white uniform of the Grand Admiral, the only non-human ever to be given that honor by the emperor ironically what so i was gonna say like that is weird that's i I just realized whilst you were reading this is that we don't see aliens almost ever you know it's i'm glad you brought that up because i'm working on something like a side star wars fan fiction project that i'm gonna record and all that stuff regardless it's interesting when you say that because when the original trilogy came out and the original expanded universe were coming out, um, there were aliens in the Imperial Army, but they weren't allowed in the Stormtrooper Corps, and there were even fewer allowed in the Navy. So the Army had aliens, the Navy had human-looking aliens. But the Empire, it's weird because initially the Empire seemed to be based more on the Roman model where the, the Romans didn't care what color your skin was. They didn't care at all. If you were good, you were good. That's how it worked. And that's how the original Imperial Imperials in the Star Wars universe were built. But I feel like gradually it just became more and more Nazi-ish. You know what I mean? I was just going to say, like, that's the vibe with all the love of the arts and figuring out there's, like, yeah. this genteel sort of 
Nazi uh, bits to it. But the thing with Thrawn that makes him so great is that, like, because that's a, one of the big issues I have with Star Wars is there was the original expanded universe, and now a lot of it has been retconned so much, it's difficult for me to even keep track of what was the original inception of the character. But mm-hmm. my understanding is that initially Thrawn was an enemy of the Empire, but they couldn't beat him. So they just brought him in, the classic you can't beat him, join him mentality. But Thrawn was so good, he was better than everyone. So they had to keep him at an arm's length, you know what I mean? But he was one of the Empire's most trusted guys. But then if you watch the original trilogy, and this is why I say it's a little bit confusing with the Roman versus Nazi ideas that they've got, the Emperor's inner circle had aliens in it. Like his inner circle, his most trusted allies, some of them weren't even human. So it's kind of this weird But thing. not in the army, like not people who were really supposed to be enforcers. No. Like the, that's the, the thing that is that that I've just again The, the Army had the, aliens. It was but the stormtroopers didn't. There were even aliens in the Navy, but they all tended to be very human like aliens. So because there's a difference between the stormtroopers and the army, as I have learned. Through a lot of sure, memory. I'm just I'm like my only point is like in the in, when you see any of the you know movies or TV shows as advisors, you see other non-humanoid forms, mm-hmm. but definitely not in any of the enforcement you know brigades of any way. So like whether it's policing, in, you know, military, whatever. I gotta never see. I've always wondered though if if that was just a practical decision because of like special effects budgets, because it's for sure. Have I like mean, a, it definitely makes sense because practically it's easier to just put people in like a gray suit and off you go. Yeah, it's it's a <laughs> very a little hat. It's a telling statement that they're all British too. Anyways, let's get back into it because now things are getting they're getting heated. Are they well, okay? Go yeah, for it. Okay, all right, all right. right. Ironically, it also made him all the more indispensable to the frontier campaigns. Pelion had often wondered how the Battle of Endor would have ended if Thrawn, not Vader, had been commanding the Executor. Yes, sir, he said. I've ordered the sentry line onto yellow alert. Shall we go to red? Not yet, Thrawn said. We should still have a few minutes. Tell me, Captain, do you know anything about art? Uh, not very much, Pelion managed, thrown a little by the sudden change of subject. I've never really had much time to devote to it. You should make time, Thrawn gestured to a part of the inner display circle to his right. Safra paintings, he identified them, circa 1550 to 2200, pre-Empire date. Note how the style changes right here, at the first contact with the Thencora. Over there, he pointed to the left-hand wall, are examples of panoed extressa art. Note the similarities with the early Safa work and also the mid-18th century pre-M Vathkri flat sculpt. Sorry, it's complicated. Wait a minute. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Isn't it absolutely hilarious that you always have, I don't want to say the elite, but like people who are like higher ups usually, you know, they're usually like the CEOs of a company or whatever, in this case, Thrawn, who are always like, oh, you should make time for the arts. Have you ever considered this other thing? Like but, all of these extra side bits. But you just like, I'm going to be like, poor, what's this pickle pillion is all like, I'm working. Yeah. There's, but, an, uh, there's a war going on. I don't have time to be sitting here this enjoying is, this art. This is the thing, though. Like Thrawn is a genius. 
and he studies the art of cultures to understand their cultural weaknesses, desires, and strengths. And that's how he knows all of his enemies. And that actually comes up in the Rebels series as well. That was my favorite thing about that nature of him because there's a few times in the book series where he's ahead of the curve because he knows what that culture will do in a specific situation. It's fascinating. based on art? Yeah. Yeah. So you're telling me that someone could look at like a Banksy and be like, well, I know, I mean, in all fairness, Banksy would probably give it away, but I don't know, Jackson Pollock? Maybe. Maybe we're just not smart enough to see it. You ever think of that? I'm pretty smart. I'm pretty smart too, (laughs) but my abilities at Mega Man 2 don't make me an art critic. That's what makes <laughs> fair, fair. That's what makes Thrawn so good. You'll see why. Okay. All right. Yes, I see," said Pelion, not entirely truthful. Admiral, shouldn't we? He broke off, and a shrill whistle split the air. He he broke off as a shrill whistle split the air. Bridge to Grand Admiral Thrawn. Lieutenant Shull's voice was taut on the intercom. Sir, we're under attack. Thrawn tapped the intercom switch. This is Thrawn," he said evenly. Go to Red Alert and tell me what you've got, calmly, if possible. Yes, sir. The muted alert lights began flashing, and Pelion could hear the sound of the klaxons bang faintly outside of the room. Sensors are picking up four new Republic assault frigates, Shell continued, his voice tense but under noticeably better control. Plus at least three wings of X-Wing fighters. Uh, symmetric cloud V formation, coming in on our scout ships. Pelion swore under his breath. A single Star Destroyer with a largely inexperienced crew against four assault frigates and their accompanying fighters. Run engines to full power, he called toward the intercom. Prepare to make the full jump to light speed, he took a step towards the door. Belay that order, Lieutenant, Thrawn said, still glacially calm. Tie fighter crews to their stations, activate deflector shields. Pelion spun back to him. Admiral! Thrawn cut him off with an upraised hand. Come here, Captain. The Grand Admiral ordered. Let's take a look, shall we? He touched a switch, and abruptly the art show was gone. Instead, the room had become a miniature bridge monitor, with helm, engines, and weapons readouts on the walls in a double display circle. The open space had become a holographic tactical display. In one corner, a flashing sphere indicated the invaders. The wall display nearest to it gave an ETA estimate of 12 minutes. Fortunately, the scout ships have enough of a lead to not be in danger. Of them. Oh, wait, that's not my Thrawn voice. Let me do that again. Yeah, go again. Yeah. <clears throat> Fortunately, the scout ships have enough of a lead to not really be in danger themselves, Thrawn commented. So let's see exactly what we're dealing with. Bridge, order the three nearest sentry ships to attack. Yes, sir. Across the room, three blue dots shifted out of the corner of the sentry line onto intercept vectors. From the corner of his eye, Pelion saw Thrawn lean forward in his seat as the assault frigates and accompanying X-Wings shifted in response. One of the blue dots winked out. Excellent, Thrawn said, leaning back in his seat. That will do, Lieutenant. Pull the other two sentry ships back and order the the Sector 4 line to scramble out of the invader's vector. Yes, sir, Shell said, sounding a little more confused. A confusion Pelion could well understand. Shouldn't we at least signal the rest of the fleet, he suggested, hearing the tightness in his voice. The Death's Head could be here in twenty minutes, most of the others less than an hour. The last thing we want to do right now is bring in more of our ships, Captain, Thrawn said. He looked at Pelion. A faint smile touched his lips. After all, there may be survivors, and we wouldn't want the Rebellion learning about us, would we? He turned back to his displays. 
Bridge, I want a 20-degree port-yaw rotation. Bring us flat to the invader's vector, superstructure pointing at them. As soon as they're within our outer perimeter, the Sector 4 sentry line is to reform behind them and jam all transmissions. Yes, sir. You don't understand, Lieutenant, Thrawn said, his voice abruptly cold. Just obey. Yes, sir. Pelion took a careful breath as the display showed the Chimera rotating as per orders. I'm afraid I don't understand either, Admiral, he said, turning our superstructure towards them. Again, Thrawn stopped him with an upraised hand. Watch and learn, Captain. That's fine. Bridge, stop rotation, hold position here. Drop the docking bay deflector shields and boost power to all others. TIE Fighter Squadrons, launch when ready. Head directly away from the Chimera for two kilometers, then sweep around in an open cluster formation. Backfire speed, zonal attack pattern. He got an acknowledgement, then looked up at Pelion. Do you understand now, Captain? Pelion pursed his lips. I'm afraid not, he he admitted. I see now that the reason you turned the ship was to give the fighters some exit cover, but the rest is nothing more than a classic Mog-Sable closure maneuver. They're not going to fall for anything that simple. On the contrary, Thrawn thought coolly. Not only will they fall for it, they'll be utterly destroyed by it. Watch, Captain, and learn. The TIE Fighters launched, accelerating away from the Chimera, then leaning hard into etheric rudders to sweep back around it like the spray of some exotic fountain. The invading ship spotted the attack and shifted vectors. Pelion blinked. What in the Empire are they doing? They're trying the only defense they know of. What do you... What? What in the Empire are they doing? Come on. What are they... Ugh. Okay, this whole thing is a What do you want him to go... What in tarnation? Like, what do you think he's going to say? To be honest, I always kind of hate when they make up swear words. That, to me, was always the big weak point of Battlestar Galactica was when they changed fuck to frack. You know what I mean? That's like so saying what in the empire are they doing makes sense, you know? Also, again, back to like this to me, I'm like, I'm, I was in with Ron. I was kind of like, all right, he's a cool character. This whole thing is written in a way that I just don't like, but he's fine. And then we're back and I'm already out. Yeah, but this is him displaying his tactical genius. This is the big thing. It's all going to make, it's all going to click. It's all going to okay, click. Go, for it. go, go, keep going. Sorry, keep going. <clears throat> Uh, Mark Sobel, They're trying the only the defense. Yeah, yeah. They're trying the only defense they know of against the Mog Sobel, Thrawn said, and there was no mistaking the satisfaction in his voice. Or, to be more precise, the only defense they are psychologically capable of attempting. He nodded towards the flashing screen. You see, Captain, there's an Elam commanding that force, and Elamin simply cannot handle the unstructured attack profile of a properly executed Marg Sabal. Pelion stared at the invaders, still shifting into their utterly useless defensive stance, and slowly it dawned on him what Thrawn had just done. That sentry ship attack a few minutes ago. You were able to tell from that that those were Elamin ships? Learn about art, Captain, Thrawn said, his voice almost dreamy. When you understand a species' art, you understand the species. There, you got it? He straightened in his chair. (sighs) Bridge, bring us back to flank speed. Prepare to join the attack. An hour later, it was all over. The ready room door slid shut behind the wing commander and Pelion gazed back at the map, still on the display. Sounds like Obersakai is a dead end, he said regretfully. There's no way we'll be able to share the manpower of that, of that much pacification would cost. For now, perhaps, Thrawn agreed, but only for now. 
Pelion frowned across the table at him. Thrawn was fiddling with a data card, rubbing it absently between his finger and thumb as he stared at the viewport at the stars. A strange smile played on his lips. Admiral, he thought carefully. Thrawn turned his head, those glowing eyes coming to rest on Pelion. It's the second piece of the puzzle, Captain, he said softly, holding up the data card. The piece I've been searching for now for over a year. Abruptly, he turned to the intercom and jabbed it on. Bridge, this is Grand Admiral Thrawn. Signal the Death's Head. Inform Captain Harbord will be temporarily leaving the fleet. He's to continue making tactical surveys of the local systems and pulling data dumps wherever possible. Then set a course for a planet called Merkir. The nav computer has its location. The bridge acknowledged, and Thrawn turned back to Pelion. You seem lost, Captain, he suggested. I take it you've never heard of Merkir. Pelion shook his head, trying without success to read the Grand Admiral's expression. Should I have? Probably not. Most of those who have have been smugglers, malcontents, and otherwise useless dregs of the galaxy. He paused, taking a measured sip from the mug at his elbow, a strong forvish ale from the smell of it, and Pelion forced himself to remain silent. Whatever the Grand Admiral was going to tell him, he was obviously going to tell him in his own way and time. I ran across an offhand reference to it seven years ago, Thrawn continued, setting his mug back down. What caught my attention was the fact that although the planet had been populated for at least 300 years, both the Old Republic and the Jedi of that time had always left it strictly alone. He cocked one blue-black eyebrow slightly. What would you infer from that, Captain? Pelion shrugged. That it's a frontier planet, somewhere too far away for anyone to care about. Very good, Captain. That was my first assumption, too. Except that it's not. Makir is, in fact, no more than 150 light-years from here, close enough to our border with the Rebellion and well within the Old Republic's boundaries. Thrawn dropped his eyes to the data card still in his hand. No, the actual explanation is far more interesting and far more useful. Pelion looked at the data card, too, and that explanation became the first piece of this... Oh, sorry, this is Pelion's voice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is... It's, yeah. And that explanation became the first piece of this puzzle of yours? Thrawn smiled at him. Again, Captain, very good. Yes, Merkir, or more precisely, one of its indigenous animals was the first piece. The second is on a world called Wayland. He waved the data card. A world for which, thank the Oberons, I finally have a location. I congratulate you, Pelion said, suddenly tired of this game. May I ask what exactly this puzzle is? Oh, here it comes. Are you ready for this? Thrawn smiled, a smile that sent a shiver up Pelion's back. Why, the only puzzle worth solving, of course, the Grand Admiral said softly. The complete, total, and utter destruction of the Rebellion. Boom! Ah! Uh, yeah! I mean, we did it. How can you not like that? That's amazing! Um, here's the thing. I've decided that Thrawn is like the character from The Devil Wears Prada. Like, he's Meryl Streep. Oh, he's... he's very, <laughs> like, very much like, do go on, move on do with the like, glacier place. Oh, like, absolutely. It's very much. Um, so, like, I like Thrawn. Oh, yeah. He's a great villain. That's what makes him such a great villain is if he's just... You're safe when you're alone in a room with him, but he'll blow up your planet. If it suits yeah. him. You know what and I that's mean? Totally, like, yeah, he's a good villain. Like, I, I, I dig it. The issue that I, I think what I'm really having is I don't like how the book is written. 
<laughs> is it the is it the logistics of the space battle and stuff? It's just a bit that, and it's a bit I don't know. The th- see, I get what they're trying to do there. I get what they're trying to do in the sense that they're trying to demonstrate his abilities and his effectiveness as a tactician and his understanding of art. Like he knows more about you than you know about yourself after mm-hmm. he looks at you once. And that's what makes him a great villain. And so when the other captain's like, we got to run, he's like, why? We're going to win. And I know we're going to win. And here's how we're going to do it. One maneuver and he wins. And he explains it in a way using clearly ad hoc naval terminology. And it makes sense to me. Like that's the stuff that I like. And I thought that we missed a lot of that. Well, we missed a lot more than just that in the new trilogies and even in the old ones. But the the idea of the stalwart naval tactician is just it's I love it. And then his he's this is just one phase of his plan. Like this is one of those guys who's always thinking like 30 steps ahead. That's what I love about him. And he's great. And even, again, the devil wears Prada. Yeah, like, this is what I'm saying. I, I have I have found like I understand it as a character and I understand what they're trying to do. I just feel like it's a bit it's. I mean, the writing feels a bit, I don't want to say oh, people are going to hate me. I'm going to get hate mail, aren't I? This is it. <laughs> no, you're this not. Is it. This, is, this is where I become this the is, contemptible this is a, and this like, is please a, don't have this girl ever. <laughs> no, this is a great audience that respects people's opinions that are different than theirs. Yeah, I mean, sure. I just, eh. I don't know. I mean, will I keep reading? We'll see. But it's You'll have to ask me again. That's just and what I here's one of the things that makes Timothy Zahn a great writer is that he writes in different styles for different characters. And when he's writing with Luke, it's very different. And when the central character is Leia, again, it's very different. And when he introduces Mara Jade, that's when it gets nuts. Like Mara Jade is ugh. Like that, this, that's what made this trilogy so good is that the characters they introduced, like Rook is amazing and uh, Mara Jade is amazing. And it's got Leia is pregnant with twins in it and she's already started her Jedi training. And it's wild the way that plays a role in what's going on in the story. It's so good. Which leads me to believe that clearly they have used the book sort of so many jumping off points yes for other books so much of the other content that we're now getting because this is the beginning of it this is the beginning of the expanded universe and they've they've really like picked their spots from it to create everything else even the stuff that's happened since the 2014 retconning like it's all good it's fine lots of stuff is still in there yeah it just it just feels like maybe they haven't fully fleshed out those characters. And that's why the we are like everyone who's just a fan of either, you know, the TV shows and the movies are kind of like, but they're giant plot holes. There are, there are moments that you're just like, when did, because we've never seen Leia do her Jedi training. Yeah. How did, how was she able to just how like, did she become Mary Poppins space? in space? Yeah. Like how did that happen? But the way this is all laid out, and you bring up one of my favorite reasons for loving these books so much, is that if you sit back and you analyze the tactics involved in the Emperor's plans with the Death Star after the first one was destroyed, then to build a second one, it's stupid. And I love that he dedicates the first chapter into ripping into the Emperor and ripping into Darth Vader while not saying they sucked, but saying that's not what they were good at. And then going, if this guy were there, what would have happened? And what's great is when they go back to the Republic, 
they're all terrified of Thrawn. And the things that he he's always plans within plans within plans within plans. And that's what makes it such a good story. Read it. All right. Read it. Okay. We'll Listen, see. The next book, <laughs> the next book is Dark Force Rising. And then after that is The Last Command, all available from Del Rey, Star Wars, Disney, et cetera, et cetera. They're all really good. All right. I mean, I love that we've done this just in time for Star Wars. Day? Yeah. 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 Okay. Listen. Uh, next week, Brian Level going to be joining us. We're going to do more COVID content. Brian Level has been on the show a bunch of times. He's a great guy. He's very impassioned, and he makes everything sound deep and meaningful, and he's hilarious. Uh, also, if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to Issue Zero so you never miss an episode. While you're there, don't forget to rate and review us. It helps us spread the word, get more people to find the podcast. We're available for free at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, everywhere you get your favorite streaming audio. You can listen at CuriousCast.ca. Be sure to check out the show notes for more information about what you hear today and links to all our guests, including Dila Velasquez, who said, and I quote, that's the greatest book I've ever heard of, and I can't wait to go read Heir to the Empire. That is what I took from that conversation. Uh, if you want to reach out to me, you can find me on Twitter at Fearless underscore Fred on Facebook and Instagram, or you can email me at issuezero at CuriousCast.ca. The show is hosted and written by me, Fred Kennedy, and Dila Velasquez, our producer who loves Heir to the Empire. And the sound design and final production is by the amazing Rob Johnson. That's why you felt like you were on a spaceship because of him. Uh, special thanks to Dylan Moore for all his hard work on the episode as well. Dylan, I'm sorry. You're a great guy. You put in lots of work. Dylan was sourcing sound effects for this episode for like three days because I didn't really know how I wanted to pull it off at the end, but Dylan did a great job. Uh, see you next time for more Issue Zero. <laughs>